0: Hello, and welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hey guys, Buddy C. I'd like to welcome Lala M. and Marla H. and Craig M. with us today. Uh, We're going to be talking about the 50th chapter of the Tao Te Ching. Got some good stuff. Good stuff. One interesting thing I got out of this was how even then they they had in their spiritual practice the same thing that we see, especially see in AA and in recovery are people who will go so far and stop. You know, you wonder why they stop. You know, why don't you just keep going on this journey? You know, you do enough to get sober. And then you stop seeking or stop growing spiritually. I see it all the time. Don't y'all see that with like you, especially in AA where you're around
1: especially
0: in AA. That's the one place where you see a lot of people in recovery. You know that are at different phases. You know I don't know anywhere else where I where I see people in recovery at different at different phases all in one one room. You know so it's easy to see there. Uh, I used to see it in church when I went to church. you know I used to, you know in any kind of spiritual practice you've got a a community. I think you can see it where people they get so far and they say the view's fine from here. y'all keep going you know <laughs> i don't want to work no more. I want to stop yeah so and for that you- uh, for me that's what this one's talking about a lot of that.
1: It's really interesting what you got out of it because I got out of it not to fear death and also about enjoying the life you have
2: yeah.
1: and not to, we're going to die anyways, that you're not your body, you're really your soul. And, and you know, just to um, live your life without the fear of death.
0: Wow. Any other previews? Did we uh, read
1: the same...
0: I think so.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's funny. You know, that's just like if you're ever in a, in a meet, any kind of recovery meeting, uh, I can, I know it from AA. You have a topic and when they go around and share, people all hear different things.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think it's the same thing.
1: Yeah.
0: Because we all hear what we need. You know, we all hear where we're at and what we need. That's interesting. That's good. good. Lala, <laughs> you going to read for us today, dear? Y'all are going to have to carry me today. I'm, I'm just barely awake. I'm still just <laughs> in a fog.
3: 50th chapter of the Tao Te Ching. First translation. Between birth and death, three and ten are followers of life. Three and ten are followers of death. And men just go passing from birth to death, also number three and ten. Why is this so? Because they live their lives on the gross level. He who knows how to live can walk abroad without fear of rhinoceros or tiger. He will not be wounded in battle, for in him rhinoceroses can find no place to thrust their horn, tigers no place to use their claws, and weapons no place to pierce. Why is this so? Because he has no place for death to enter. Second translation, the master gives himself up to whatever the moment brings. He knows that he is going to die, and her has nothing nothing left to hold on to. No illusions in his mind, no resistances in his body. He does not think about his actions. They flow from the core of his being. He holds nothing back from life, therefore he is ready for death as a man is ready for sleep after a good day's work. Third translation. For those who leave the womb at birth and those who enter their source at death, out of these, three out of ten celebrate life. Three out of ten celebrate death, and three out of ten simply go from life to death. What is the reason for this? because they're afraid of dying, therefore they cannot live. I have heard that those who celebrate life walk safely among the wild animals. When they go into battle, they remain unharmed. The animals find no place to attack them, and the weapons are unable to harm them. Why? Because they can find no place for death. Final translation. People who look for the secret of long life wind up dead. Their bodies are the focus of their lives and the source of their death because they think a healthy body is all there is to live, life. Lao Tzu used to say, a man who truly understood life could walk through the jungle without fear or across a battlefield without armor, totally unharmed. Wild animals and weapons couldn't kill him. I know, I know, what the hell does that mean? Well, he couldn't be killed, Lao Tzu said, because his body wasn't where he kept his death.
0: What the hell does that mean? <laughs> I
1: haven't seen that. <laughs> so you don't think that in somewhere in those four translations, there is the idea that we live with the idea of knowing we're going to die so that we live. We, we live the life that's in front of us without fear of what's coming at us.
0: Oh, I I think it does, but I think that's the small remnant that lives that way, Marla, not the whole, that's the 10%. Yeah, that's the one
1: third that lives like that.
0: Yeah. And you know, and I think it's really like the 10% of those in recovery. One of the most aggravating things for me in recovery are the people I see that get better and then stop growing spiritually. That's been a hard thing for me not to criticize and to accept. And I see it locally because, you know, in our, we have a clubhouse and I don't go to a lot of meetings here, but I know everyone. And I used to go to a lot of meetings when I first started. And I know all these people and we, we interact some, go to things, do stuff and i will see people who have 20 and 30 years of sobriety and they're still they haven't really grown that much they're still not trusting god with other parts of their life other than their alcohol they still are fearful they're still all these things that i'm learning to be free of and it's aggravating to me and i've had to learn not to criticize people for that
1: Well, that was my very, very issue with AA meetings is I still – I wasn't learning from anyone because they were stuck. And, they, you know, they follow the steps and they do the same thing every year and they do their inventories. And they never – but they never changed. Yeah. And, you know, I I needed more.
3: Yeah, I feel like it's like when I do go to AA meetings – just it's not not all of them but just definitely the one the few here in the rural south town i'm in but um yeah it's like they do the bare minimum to stay sober as in they go to meetings every day they you know they don't drink they do the steps but like i mean i need all my other stuff that i put in place like my buddhist practice this you know lots of other things like volunteer work helping others um yeah i feel like they do the bare minimum to stay sober
1: or or the people that follow the big book letter letter by letter yeah. and there's there's nothing else for them they don't seem to need anything else but that
3: but see unlike buddy i'm kind of fine with that it's like you know that's your path that's your yeah path.
1: you know no judgment
3: no judgment it's just like i need more than denial just be sober. I mean, but, yeah, but I'm not going to learn
1: anything from them.
3: I'm like on a higher, a different path. You know, I want to different path. Different path.
0: You yeah, you know, and and that's not to say, and I don't want this to become an AA bat because I would yeah. dare do nothing to bash AA because that's not why I even mentioned that. But that's the one uh, kind of uh, group, spiritual group, I have to compare it against because I think we see it in any spiritual practice if you had a group of people together that were following a particular practice, you would see the same things. Yeah. You know, you would see some, and not everyone in AA does not want to follow a spiritual path. I don't want to say that. <laughs> that's not what I mean. No, I know. My mind though, I pick out the ones that are not because that's what I'm seeing, you know? And, and so I, I used to see that a lot and now I'm learning to accept that and people can, Do whatever they want to I even have sponsees now. I've been sponsoring long enough. Do I have sponsees that are starting to do that? Like, we're on this path going up this mountain. We're getting this view that's getting better and better. And you get to a certain point, and you say, okay, I enjoy this view. I think I'm just going to stay here. You guys can keep going if you want, but I'm going to stop right here. And I've had to accept that even out of sponsees, and people do that all the time, and that's what I saw in this. and I saw what you're talking about, Marla, too, but I got to thinking the the one in ten, because they talked about three different groups of people. Um,
3: they separate the groups out.
0: Yeah, they said the followers of life, the followers of death, and those passing from death to life, or from passing from birth to death.
1: And those who just take care of their bodies. And I, I was thinking about um, the the extreme athletes who do the, like, uh, he'll, he shall remain nameless, but he's written books and he triathlete and he's a vegan and he da, 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 da. And I think, I look at him, I think he, this guy fears death so badly that he has to do whatever he can not to die. That keeps out fear, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know.
0: Who are you talking about? Retro. <laughs> Marla doesn't want to say on the podcast, Craig. That, uh, he's famous. Uh, oh, what do you, what's your take on this, Craig? You're taking this in. I know you've got some uh, ideas on this. Um,
2: well, it's interesting that he's putting the three yeah, – yeah, I know who it is now. Marla's, Marla's putting the chat. I, I thought that's who it was. I don't think you'd have issues
1: with him. I don't. I I think he fears death. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I don't have an issue with that at all. I think I'm happy for what
0: he's done with his life. The goal is to die. Die now, Craig. That's the goal, see. Die now. To let your life go now so that you don't fear death. Right. Okay. Then when it's time to die, and I love this analogy that it's time to die, it's like after a tired day and you're ready for sleep.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I like the fact we broke down into the four categories. So there was a, there was a three, the three, and then another three. So that makes the nine out of the ten. So obviously the one that's left is obviously the one that is able to master and just basically be and get on with things. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the I liked the first part where it says between birth and death. Um, I can't. Was it Jim? Was it Jim Roone who done a he's done a motivational speech about um. Things that you could do with your life and not concentrating on the big things but concentrating on the small things um, and one of the small things in, in your life is, the, is the, the dash that's going to be on your tombstone yeah between your date of birth and your date of death
1: yeah what's
2: the dash yeah he says that that little thing is the biggest thing that you can concentrate on because that's the, that little thing is right now and that's the things that you apply yourself to um so that kind of sprung to mind when i read that um and there was the other part that was going on
0: about... Hey, talking uh, about the dash. Yeah. Have you guys had a place in your spiritual walk yet where, you're, where you have a full realization of the, vani- the, the vanity of life and that how nothing matters, that whole thing? Yeah.
2: I, guess, I, yes, I think... I is it kind of like a paradigm
0: shift? Where yeah.
2: you think, you think to yourself, do you know what? This is why I drink, and then once you've been sober for a while, once you've once you've started to grow personally wise, you think to yourself, I drink because of this. Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly.
2: But you know how how petty can this be? And I think a, a lot of it is vanity.
0: A lot of it's a lot of it is want to look better than everybody else and try it. To- how much about your life? What do you know about your grandparents? A lot. What do you know about your great grandparents?
1: Not nothing.
0: Right. So within three generations, other than now that we have all the technology, within three generations, no one's gonna know anything about anything that we do.
3: Now there's a great line, I don't know if you know the Jack Nicholson movie called About Schmidt where he basically, you know, he, he has a line at the end of the movie, and it's actually one of his more serious, dramatic roles. We said, you know, after a couple more years, I'm going to be gone, and everybody who remembered me, and they're going to be gone. And then it's like, what, you know, what, what am I leaving here? What's my mark? Right. You know, so it, yeah. Basically, maybe children or parents, but other than that, after a couple of generations, you're just tombstone with the
2: dash exactly yeah. there was yeah there was somebody else says they don't leave a legacy they want to leave memories say
1: that
0: again they don't leave a legacy they want to leave memories yeah but those those two i mean my personal opinion is all all we can leave is the love that we give to others i, I think that how we help someone else's life and enrich it is and all that's in the moment
3: well yeah and that kind of the point of it is like it matters what
0: we do here and now and that exactly but and all this amassing does not matter you know and
1: it's people normal. remember how you make them feel rather than what you've done you know how did they make me feel and that's how I want to live is how do I make other people feel I want to make them feel good and feel better
0: yeah. Makes make less people try to avoid me today than tried to avoid me yesterday <laughs> <laughs> it can start there, you know. <laughs> yeah. The the other
2: one, the other thing that jumped in, it was in the fourth translation. People who look for the secret of life wind up dead. So it kind of reminds me. It, it, it reminds me of what Buddy would say: "He who he who dies with the most toys dies." Yeah, yeah. that's anybody, what I And then yeah, Buddy will buy the toys off eBay.
0: Resell <laughs> them? Yes, that's
2: right. <laughs> I
3: think of that more as, um. The pushing aspect, which is the opposite of like the Buddhist practice of emptiness and openness.
1: Yeah, and living and in the silence.
3: Looking, 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 and searching for light so hard that they, they miss it.
1: Yeah, and and, like, which is who I was talking about earlier—the um, ultramarathoner.
3: I see it in the chat. He's going to die.
1: He's going to die early. <laughs> for what? But uh, you know, I'm just
2: guessing.
0: No, he's not right. vegan. Yeah, vegan. Hey, Craig. Hi. Derek Lynn had good Bye. descriptions of these three groups. Uh, he, did, he did a good job of that, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah. He's gotten down as um, the followers of life are three and ten. The followers of death, th- those whose lives are moved towards death, also three and ten. Why? Because they live lives of excess. So. When I read that, I kind of got to thinking that, the, that, there was another, that there was another saying that life isn't a dress rehearsal. Was it the Dalai Lama that said that? Maybe. I've heard it
3: before.
2: Yeah. So it kind of made me think that, you know, and I kind of get guilty of this as well. I, I, kind, of, I, I kind of think to myself, you know, when I grow up, I can do this. And I think to myself, I'm, I'm 21 now. Maybe I should start doing it already.
0: Yeah. He, and he was thinking about the followers of life are the ones that take no risk in life at all. Yeah. They don't do anything risky. Everything, I know people like this, that everything is safe. They don't even speed, you know. I mean, they're just by the rules, won't even push anything on their taxes at all. Uh, They won't do any. They're just the real conservative, real, you know. I'm
1: married to him. (laughs)
3: Sometimes you need it to balance you out.
1: I'm married to somebody who's so afraid of death that he you know, he does everything by the book. He's so afraid to
0: die. So okay, so we could say three and ten are like Marlo's husband. (laughs) Okay, and, and the second three and 10, uh, what, it was self-destructive, Craig? Was that what yeah. he
2: said? Yeah, the followers of death are, are people with self-destructive tendencies, the rush they rush headlong into any situation recklessly and put their health and safety at risk. So
3: Impulse, impulse control. I mean, yes. I mean no impulse control. And, I mean, I definitely have a touch of that even still in sobriety because it's like, I'm so scared to let life. You know, we're here for such a short time, and I know this was definitely an act of using. I got to feel everything right now, or else I'm going to completely miss out on life. <laughs> I,
2: I, I would, I would probably definitely fall into, probably definitely, I, I definitely would fall into that category because every night I was just on a path of self destruction. I just, I just wasn't interested in anything at all. Just as long as I was getting my fix, as long as I was getting my drink, nothing else mattered. And it was just that spiral that I kept going into. Um, but I would
3: say even now I have a touch of that. Like, you know, it's like just anxiety of, like, I'm not doing enough to, you know, I've got – it comes into that whole thing of letting go and being open. But, I mean, I definitely still have tinges of that. I've got to be doing something to, to be successful every single day. And, you know, it's, I definitely still have tinges of it.
2: It depends on your definition of success. right. Depends it depends on how you depends on how you want to, to, to be viewed as successful. Um me it's making not, through make, yeah,
1: me make, money.
2: Yeah, make, making it to making it to better like drinking or you know, no. coming coming home and actually still having my job at the end of the day to me is as successful at the moment.
3: Um, <laughs> I think that's what it is and I think Marla and I talked about it before is yeah, I'm doing a lot of volunteer work and work on myself, but um, it's odd not having a job for someone that was so urban mm. as me.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. I mean,
3: it's an adjustment, and it's not It's a surrender. Based. It's a surrender, and it's not financially-based. I mean, a little bit it is, but, you know, it's more of just using my brain in that way. And you,
0: know. and, and, you know, and just knowing that, Lala, and I'm in some of this with you because I was always, I had several businesses going all the time, was all, and my life has totally taken a shift from that, and. I have had to learn that whatever's in front of me to do is what I need to do right now. It's not, I don't have to rationalize doing something by working extra hours. You know, I don't have to rationalize doing this by working extra hours tonight to make up for the hours that I didn't work this morning, (laughs) which is how I used to do it. If I took an hour off, I had to make that hour up sometime. That whole idea of that, that it's up to me to make this happen, whatever it is I'm, thinking about, you know?
3: And I also know, you know, I did it willingly and it was a, it was a self-imposed choice because anytime, I mean, I'm a doer. So anytime I get involved in a project or work, recovery went out the window and it was like pattern, pattern, pattern every single time. So it's like, you now you really need to block off an extended period of time, not so much in isolation, but outside of the big city distractions. And, you know, I have a therapist who says you can make so much of a difference. In a small community, because think about how many there are of you in a large community, <laughs> like in New York City. You know, you can make such a difference in people's lives in a smaller rural area. Than,
1: right. And, it's absolutely true. You, you know, we go with this big idea, I'm going to change the world, but you have to change you first, and then the commun- then your friends and your community in little bits and pieces. Yeah. It can't be a whole thing.
0: You know, and and that's why I think uh, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, not love Africa as yourself, you know. (laughs) It starts with the people around you. You can't do all of that, you know. I mean, it's about the people you're in touch with that you learn to love, you know.
3: And he actually had a good point, too, where he's like, think about it when there were rural tribes. There's probably a lot less depression and anxiety because everybody felt useful and needed and, You know, it's much easier to get sucked into that trap of depression and anxiety when you're just a number in a big city.
0: You you know, and this is the thing, too. We can learn, if we can learn to be useful in a different way, rather than saying, okay, I want to be useful, so I'm going to do this and this and this to make a difference. Instead, if I say, okay, God, I'm available, and then when we see something happening, we respond. We, we open our heart like uh, Singer talks about in Untethered Soul. We open our heart, and we're just ready. And we let God put the right people in our path for whatever it is that needs doing. And I guarantee you if you do that in a sincere, honest way and look, you will stumble over people to help. It will disappear out of nowhere. It's nothing you have to make happen. You don't have to make it happen. You just have to respond when you see it. And that's a whole different, you know, that's taking the the push and force out of helping people, which I think is so important that that we change everything about our, you know, like me loving my wife is not about me thinking of all these great things I can do for her. It's just about me opening my heart to her and sending love to her. And what I can do for her will just
1: naturally. Yeah.
0: You know, I think that's the actions that we learn to take in every area of life. So we create, we, we stop that push and we start living. That's how we start living effortlessly, I think, in this.
3: Create space.
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, Marla, I missed that
1: create space without judgment
0: yes yes <laughs> okay. now what's the third the third one in Derek Lynn Craig what does he how does he say the third group uh, those who live
2: lives are moved towards death are also three in ten so those those whose lives are moved towards death why because they live lives of excess so he explains that as the um the the people in the third category start out living life to the fullest and sample all the pleasures of the world. It's easy to overindulge when they do this. So soon their excesses take a heavy toll on them. Overindulgence leads to death. Okay. So you've got a group
0: that's cautious. You've got a group that's self-destructive. and You've got a group that may start out well living life to their fullest, but they had they let overindulgences take their life from them, so they uh like us in recovery is a good example of that.
2: Yes, it's like complacency. They, they get complacent. Mm-hmm. They they just they just do the things that they think
0: works. Don't you think that rather than this just being in like people as in as a whole, that we have different areas of our life that we're in all these different places? Yeah. Yeah, that's You know, I I have places in my life I'm way too conservative, way too safe. And then I have (laughs) self-destructive areas of my life. One of those is my R1200 RT BMW out in the the garage. You know, sometimes I can be self-destructive on it, and I have to calm down and say, buddy, you don't have to take those curves that fast. You can – it's okay. (laughs) You don't have to be the fastest, you know. That kind of a thing,
2: you know. So is, is there a progressive skill that you would want to be on this, or do you see it as a cycle? Do you go from one to the next to the next? I don't know.
0: I'm, Craig, you're thinking too much.
1: Don't <laughs> overthink.
0: <laughs> yeah. Stop thinking and end your problems. Uh, but I wasn't thinking. I was asking. <laughs> I, for me, I don't know, Craig. It could be. But I, I think the goal is the fourth group, though, that one in ten – Um, that one in 10, I really like the way that second verse handles that whole transition. Um, the master gives himself up to whatever the moment brings. That's what we're talking about, Lala, about, uh, about where do we give, what do we do? I mean, I've told you the story of when I knew I needed to start doing that. God sent me a guy in a nursing home that I had to go every Friday. I didn't have to, I did every Friday for, almost two years and just took him out and did his thing, you know. And I thought, why am I over here smelling piss in the nursing home? I, I don't like this. I thought I'd be doing these great things, you know, and here I am, you know, but that's the things that we do. And the giving is in the little things, is in helping people, you know. Um, and that's a situation God presented to me, you know, just, I mean, it just unfolded in front of me. It's nothing I made happen. You know, and I didn't brag about it and tell everybody about it and, you know, all those things. You know, I just went and quietly did it. Or when I went and took my son out west when he was little, we'd take a Jeep out and ride around the desert for a week. And we had a GPS with a laptop, and we'd go all kinds of places, four-wheels, see things, and do. And every time I went on a trip, every time I came back, I had more money in the bank in my business than when I left. (laughs) And I was like, how did this happen? And I kept oh. telling my secretary, it was a, it was a joke, because we went once a year at least. And I said, I need to go back out west again. We need to make some money. <laughs> I need to leave, you know.
3: Sometimes you make, I don't know, when I had my business in L.A., it was, when you, I in the beginning, of course, you have to do a lot of looking, looking, looking for business. But it was like the best when I stopped pushing and it just starts coming to you because you're already established. And it's like. You know, the less you do in those cases, the more you can succeed. Otherwise, you're spreading yourself so thin and, and, you know, there's waste everywhere because you're not making right calculations and projections. So I was going to say similar to you, I I just kept myself open this week and, you know, I haven't been having too much work to do other than here and there, but I just ended up helping a friend move and I ended up inheriting, her dad was a professor when my parents teach. So I have like this entire huge library now of like first edition, old leather bound books that I think are all worth tons of money.
1: Damn. And
3: I, yeah. I've, I've been kind of entering them here and there, but it's like, geez. And she just was like, just take on, take them. I'm trying to get rid of stuff. And it's like, I, this is like, it's kind of busy work, but it's like, if I didn't have the time to actually sit back and you know do this and it's an enjoyable thing and no rush and you know and it's mostly philosophy plus which I love anyway. Um yeah, so I just kept myself open. I went to go help, no expect yeah, acting without expectations, Craig.
1: Yeah.
3: And it just open this whole new revenue stream and probably a whole new community of, you know, like minded philosopher types.
0: Can't beat that. Master gives himself up to whatever the moment brings. How often have I been in a moment that I, I never give myself up to what's happening right now. I'm always thinking about what's next or what's down the road or what I messed up on being in the moment. He knows that he's going to die and he, ha- and he has nothing left to hold on to. No illusions in his mind. No resistances. In his body, he doesn't think about his actions. That's making the, the switch to that one in ten, you know? That is all about that switch to that you're talking about, Marla. That switch to that one in ten. All his actions flow from the core of his being. He holds nothing back from life. Therefore, he is ready for death as a man ready for sleep after a good day's work. Um, there's a in christianity there's a uh, there 's a teaching about being crucified with christ that you that you uh that you 've surrendered your life really it 's a teaching about surrender very much like what we talk about and one of the sayings from that is that you can 't kill a dead man he 's already dead so that 's what they 're talking about here I think is it when when we've got rid of the illusions, when we have no resistance, then then there's nothing, you know. When, when our self and our ego has been surrendered, when things come that would feed that, it's no longer an issue. I see parts of that. I don't see that in a whole yet. Yeah, no, no. But, but I see. You see what I'm saying, though. Mm-hmm. It's um. It's about dying now. It really is. And then we can really live. You know, we die to live. That's one of the paradoxes. You know, that's one of the AA paradoxes is that we die to live. Same kind of thing. And that's exactly what this is talking about. But if we we still hold on to self, still think we can run the show, we can make it happen in an area of life, still don't surrender fear that we may have about a particular thing, what we're going to see is that fear, and we're not going to experience the joy of death now
3: so it's the death of the ego right really or the old way of thinking the it's the way.
0: surrender and the letting go law of all of that you know the selfishness dishonesty resentment and fear getting rid of all of that in my that's, thinking
3: that's what they're using by death to signify
0: death. yes in my thinking that's what i got out of it so comments
1: no but wayne dyer has a lot of good stuff to say on those notes
0: Good good transition, Marla. Good transition.
1: <laughs> I'm learning. <laughs>
0: Do you want me, me
1: to, to read the verse?
0: Dear, you read whatever you want to.
1: Uh, I will. So this is Wayne Dyer. Between birth and death, three in ten are followers of life, three in ten are followers of death, and men just passing from birth to death also number three in ten. Why is this so? because they clutch to life and cling to this passing world. But there is one out of ten, they say, so sure of life that tigers and wild bulls keep clear. Weapons turn from him on the battlefield. Rhinoceroses have no place to warn him. Tigers find no place for claws. And soldiers have no place to thrust their blades. Why is this so? Because he dwells in that place where death cannot enter. Realize your essence, and you will witness the end without ending. So, living as an immortal. The Tao teaches that death is an insignificant detail that doesn't need to be consciously struggled with or dreaded. As this verse of the Tao Te Ching informs you, there's a place where death cannot enter. By altering the way you see death, of infinity, knowing yourself first and foremost as a spiritual being, having a temporary human experience rather than the other way around. I'm jumping, as you say. Yeah. In this realm, you'll be gratefully adept at moving along, free of the fear of life-threatening event- events. You'll have a knowing about yourself and your connection to the Tao that simply allows you to ride with life like a fearless downhill skier who's at one with the snow-covered mountain. Without resorting to judgment, you'll notice others who are perpetually victimized by scams, bureaucracies, indifference, natural disasters, criminals, or meddling relatives.
0: And the Hold on there! Hold on there! Meddling relatives. All right. Uh, <laughs> I think this talks. This talks about as we die to these things, how we no longer attract them. Yes, exactly. So if we're still, I met with a sponsor yesterday that he attracts anger. Everybody in his life, he attracts people that are angry. Mm -hmm. And he was just telling me about a situation. I'm like, you know, you doing that causes you to attract more of that, right? Mm -hmm. I said, You're a magnet for these things. And he was, well, I know that. I said, well, just stop doing it. I said, and your life will be better just by not being angry with, by deciding not to react. You can stop attracting so much of this.
3: And conversely, you attract
0: better people in your life. Yes. And when we start loving people and get rid of all of that stuff that's hindering us, what happens? We start attracting good people in my life or in your life. I was just thinking about my life how the people I'm around have changed over the years and all I have in my life now for the most part are people that are loving people. And if people are not loving people, they don't last around me long. I will find someone else to hang around with. I'm, I'm not going to be around negative people for very long. I'm just not. It just isn't, isn't fun.
1: Which brings me to the next paragraph. With an intimate awareness of your infinite essence that's centered in the Tao, you'll most likely escape from victimization yourself, and you'll likely deal with situations that others tend to get stuck in. In other words, when you know your endless nature and live each day with this awareness directing you, there will simply be no space within you for mortality to call the shots. If harm ever does make an attempt to inflict damage or death on you, it won't find a place to sink its hooks into.
0: So that's what uh, the, the rhinoceros and the soldier in the battle, all of that, wasn't talking about an actual physical... Right. Uh, like some food guy, you know, like running through and all that, <laughs> and not, not finding a place. It's talking about it in a, in a spiritual way, right?
1: It is, but, you know, I, I do have to relate it to animals. When you approach, um, you know, a dog that's mean or fearful... If you approach it without fear, it tends to not be so fearful. You know, the animal senses your fearlessness and your 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 innocence and your kindness and it in turn can change and become fearless rather than fearful. I think that's kind of what I that's what I got out of the animal analogies.
0: Okay. That would work. <laughs> I think it's about learning to be unconcerned about these things that everyone else is concerned about. And you got to remember as we walk this path, very few people are, are on this. So the majority of people are not going to understand when you say, you know, I just sent love to that person or I opened my heart to that, or, or whatever, you know, or, or responding with kindness instead of anger. And we've just got to accept. Do what, Lala?
3: I was just say anger just begets more anger. I mean, that's what yeah. they would say, you know, you can't, it's like you can't fight darkness with darkness. The only thing that, you know, goes against it is light or love. Right.
2: I must admit, that is really annoying when your sponsor says just love them.
1: <laughs> it's a, Yeah, it's annoying.
0: Yeah, Craig, just do it. <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> it would be miserable. Which one, be, one do you want yeah, because it's hard to just love them when you think they've wronged you. You know, it's hard to. Whatever. It's a what lower,
3: is? It is a lower-level b- vibration, and I feel it when I have my old tendencies come out, when I react yeah. to or just, you know, even just giving a, like, dirty look. It's like,
0: you
1: feel
3: good about yourself
0: after that. Well, you feel know? sick yeah. because it dampens your spirit.
3: It does, and it's like, I'm, I'm better than that. You know, I yeah. You know, sometimes some people do push your buttons,
0: and it's like it
2: does. It does make you feel bad, but it took me a couple of hours before I felt bad. So, I <laughs> <laughs> a had a couple of hours of serenity. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you know, that's uh, overcoming evil with uh, overcoming uh, anger with uh, love. Overcoming evil with love—that where our response needs to be learn to be compassion because uh, what is it? Uh, our greatest defense is compassion. I've got it somewhere. Oh, yeah. Defend yourself with compassion is the most powerful force in the universe. That's from the 67th chapter. The most powerful force in the universe is compassion. So if we're responding with anything less, we have something better that's available to us.
2: Yeah, it's, it's easier to it's easier to respond with less because it's less work involved in it. That's why it's we tend to...
0: still in self, Craig. You you can respond in Craig with something less, and you don't have to, you don't have
1: to die to do that.
0: It is work to die. You don't have yeah. to die to respond like the ninety percent, but you do have to die to respond like the ten percent. That's the difference, and we don't want to die we don't want to give we don't want to let go of you know our our selfishness and our dishonesty our resentment our fear our ego all the, you know our pride, which is a result of fear, you know all this stuff that we ever what names we put on it it's still me yeah and i and i don't want to give me i don't give me up easily so that's i think that's for me that's the whole that's the deal you know.
3: I think sometimes too, it's like compassion from afar. <laughs> 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 like my biggest trigger is just my mom and her twenty questions and all this stuff. And it's like the more I can be understanding of like this is this is just this is her behavior pattern. This is what makes her feel safe. Knowing more, and I just have you know. And the more I kind of open up, the more she's like, "Oh, I got some. Let me. I got an inch. Let me take a foot." So <laughs> it's kind of like. Some people, you know, you have to kind of build the boundaries and the walls and kind of give them a little compassion from afar because I do have people in my life that, you know, good people want to be attracted to people, you know, are attracted to people that have their shit together, that are, you know, kind of, you know, grounding and, you know. Uh, emotionally there and it's like
0: yeah but i don't really want you around that much <laughs> <laughs> hey mara try something try this and see if it doesn't help i mean lala i'm sorry I think I was like, I, i'm sorry um try this lala see if it uh doesn't help um what i've learned to do with those people even though i've got my boundaries and all yes. before okay. when i think about them or before i interact with them i i i physically just mentally say i lower my resistance to this person. Um, I open my heart to them and I send love to them. And I try to stay in this open heart place when I approach them. And it seems to help for that to not to even start sometimes. Yeah. Because once I stopped resisting them, I have one person that's like that. Yeah. And when I stopped resisting them, they stopped pushing back at me, and didn't even realize they had stopped. It was something, it was something deeper than what was going on physically, you know. Because I say, "Oh God, here they come! How how can you know? I don't want to, you know," and I automatically start pushing back. <laughs>
3: yeah, now, and I, it's very much like feast or famine with my mom. It's like either I'm completely like. I can handle her today and here we go. And I, I, <laughs> and she comes on like tenfold for the next week. And so I immediately go, whoa. So it's almost like just kind of getting guarded, you know, just like doing experiment.
0: You're experiment also that far and see if that doesn't help.
1: And I think you're also ready. You're, you're like, oh, I know this is going to happen. And so you yeah, get-
3: and I to set my, you know, set my energy right before. But- I mean, I was over at my sister's, who lives across the street yesterday, and we're like, it's about that time, it's around after dinner, and they're going to, mom and dad are going to be stopping by, and I'm like, I should stay here, there's safety in numbers, so that we can <laughs> go them together. I mean, it's like this thing that comes on, they like to stop, I mostly need to check on her, because she's bipolar, but now I live across the street, so then they naturally want to come check on me, and so... I've, I've just, tr- you know, I notice when it's every night, I get very anxious around that time, whereas I just go out, you know, take a walk right around. The thing is, there's a long block of that time. <laughs> so <it's Yeah>. like, <laughs> my <laughs> dog gets me away if I lock the door and pretend I'm not home, and they knock. Wow, I'm here! <laughs> <Yeah. sighs> mm. Everybody's Everybody, I feel like, you have to kind of treat with a different pair of kid gloves.
0: You do. You do. Um, but it, try, try opening your heart before they get there and try to just be open to them and see if it doesn't shift a little.
3: Yeah, and I think doing that without giving up too much, just having that openness without – giving her all the answers to the questions she wanted or, you know.
0: I think if you learn to be open like that, Lala, she may not, she may change what she's asking. She may not ask even as much. It may physically change the interaction.
3: Yeah, because right now she doesn't ask things out of fear because I'll be like, ah, you know. (laughs) And it's sometimes, you know, I have to because it's like you've ever stepped a boundary, you're going to get, this is what happened. (laughs)
0: <laughs> we uh, we have a letting go group that meets locally, and we've been working on this in that group, and we had someone in the group that had similar kind of things with someone, and she had this in her job, yeah. and she learned to do this, and when she started, it changed everything, okay. and people started behaving differently and doing different things because of just opening our heart and lowering the resistance to them. Before any words were said or anything, said so, you know, I just send love to that person. I open my heart to them today, and I just lower any resistance I have against them. I'm gonna. I'm just. I just anything I can do for them, let me do it. And it without, just oh, the with, but it
3: comes with that caveat of without exposing myself to.
0: Well, this is the thing yes. that, but but that is an inner thing that you can do it doesn't mean you're going to sit there and tell all it just means that you're just open to the moment it, it actually is doing what we saw at the first
1: doing
3: without being without acting
0: give himself up to whatever the moment brings that's actually doing that you know you're open to the moment you haven't figured the moment out already and got a third response to it <laughs>
3: oh my God, it's half the times i'm all worked up it's like What was I all worked up about? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's
3: an ongoing one, mothers and daughters.
0: Yeah. What what (laughs) else do we have? Uh, Marla, you want to cover some more in uh, Wayne Dyer?
1: I didn't. I didn't circle anything, underline anything else, but.
0: The part I liked, I do want to hit one more thing here, this part about die while you're alive. (laughs) That's This is what we've been talking about, really. In your imagination, contemplate the death of your physical shell. Visualize it lying there lifeless. Observe how you, the witness, aren't identified with this corpse. In other words, you're not the body. Now, bring that same attention to your body as it gets up and goes about its daily tasks. Nothing could harm your human form when it was dead, and nothing can harm you now, because you are not that body. You're the invisible witnessing essence. Remain in this realization knowing that you've experienced the death of your earthly container as your primary source of identification. In this new awareness, you're impenetrable and free. Here's how Leonardo da Vinci expressed the message of this verse of the Tao Te Ching. While I thought that I was learning how to live, I have been learning how to die. Do this now while you're still alive.
1: It's an interesting exercise. I was just kind of visualizing it, you know, and then, then I got fearful.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you know, we're, we're not this body.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We're not the body. So learning that, you know, what we're talking about here is, is you know, all the things from not taking things personal to the whole, the whole thing of um, you know, learning not to, not to live for our ego and our selfishness, dishonesty, and our resentment and fear and holding these things back and not fully seeking a spiritual solution in our life. When we start doing that, we're going to be one of the, I think, in recovery, actually, not 10% of all people, but for me, it's about 10% of the people I see in recovery, actually. I can look at my, lo- I, lo- I thought about all the people locally I know in recovery and about 10% of them are really pursuing a real spiritual way, practicing these principles in all my affairs. You know, that's where the gift is. And that's the path that I want to be on is practicing this in everything, not just the things that threaten my life or might threaten my marriage, or might cause me big angst. I want it in everything. And I think that's what the 10% is. Yeah. Let me stop the share. Anything else, guys? No, go out there and be dead. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but uh, what what should we title this one? We've got a second. What what do y'all think? What's a good name for uh you know they, they, I wanted something I don't know any ideas
1: go off yourself <laughs> 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 oh, which has two meanings
2: <laughs> I've used one of those meanings a few times today <laughs>
1: Have I you thought you about
0: can... uh, dwelling where death cannot enter maybe that sounds real um I don't know. I'll come up with something. Love the middle bits. What? <laughs> Love the middle bits. <laughs> Love the middle bits. How do you live your dash? Oh, oh, my, best, oh yeah. how do you live your dash? Living in the dash. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll work something with that. So, Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding recovery podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.